0: What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And the big news that we're going to start off with, of course, is we now know what was in the NOA, the notice of allegations against Arizona. ESPN won their lawsuit. Arizona had to release the NOA. And, Brett, I don't know about you, but, like, you know, I've skimmed it. I've read a lot of the, I guess, the summaries that people have. And the biggest question I have following this is, why the hell didn't Arizona just release this when it came out? Yeah, big
1: big news finding out what's in the NOA, which is to say it is everything that we already knew and somehow the same news remains news every 6 months when it's brought up in a new way. <laughs> um cuz that, that you know realistically we there there wasn't I I don't know if there was any particularly juicy new information in there except for Maybe the uh, um, was it Phelps saying to delete the tweet or the, the the text message? I should say, yeah, of that I'm paying it back. But then I, there's <laughs> noticeably absent is any DeAndre Ayton content. Well, yeah, it's know. almost
0: like it was noteworthy for what wasn't in the NoA. I think is that's I mean it's, it depends on what side of this you're on. Right? If you're a U of a person who likes Miller, then you're looking at what wasn't in there. And if you're people who hate Miller, like well, look, there is stuff in there, and there is stuff in there. It's not pretty. There's no such thing as a nice NOA against your program, against your school. But certainly, there wasn't that anything about DeAndre Aden on the Schleybach article, which was when everybody, when ESPN reported that Miller was fired, that was the big thing, right? That it was on wiretaps talking about paying DeAndre Aden. Well, if that happened, the NCAA doesn't know about it. You know, but they know about things that happened <laughs> like the 50s and the 70s. Apparently, that's relevant. But there is some stuff in there. I think the Keanu Pinder thing, it was uh, texts that talk about repaying. I think Pinder was actually suspended for a couple of games that season because of all that. Like, so that was known about four years ago. You know, the stuff about Book Richardson and paying for transcripts and stuff, that we knew, the bribes. So to that extent, there was nothing in there that directly implicated Sean Miller for anything other than failure to know what his assistants were up to. At least as far as which is did
1: it. Which is what we've been talking about for months and months and months. It's going to be the culture of... Uh, compliance question, right? And mm-hmm. that's like a completely subjective, not objective thing that will ultimately lead to whatever further penalties Arizona's going to get. And I mean, I think we all agree that Arizona's going to get further penalties beyond the the self-sanction uh, of the postseason ban this year. But, you know, for Arizona basketball versus for Sean Miller personally, there's no, there's nothing in there that was new there's nothing in there that particularly ties sean miller to anything um in fact there's a complete absence of that um but you know and if anything the the real the other real story to me adam is kind of what your initial question was which is why wasn't arizona releasing this is like i i kind of wonder if there's some palace intrigue where i think at the athletic department arizona has factions within its own athletic department that they're just like the Arizona fan base. There is the pro Sean Miller and the anti Sean Miller faction base. And if, if you're kind of like reading the tea leaves of all this, it's kind of like, you can see how some people maybe even if, if there's people with an agenda on either side of that, you know, aisle that there's, it, it, it feels like it's all there's, there's people that are trying to maybe manipulate information to fulfill what they want to do is what it Mm -hmm. seems to me. And I think that weirdly parallels Arizona's fan base where there's Sean Miller (laughs) is a Rorschach test where you look at the same, you know, this notice of allegations is all the same information we knew. If you're pro Sean Miller, you see it as like, there's literally nothing there. The DeAndre Ayton ESPN schlaba story is complete, completely untrue or at least the NCAA has literally zero evidence of it, which Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in in complete absence of evidence After three years or whatever it's been I'm going to go with it's probably not true mm-hmm. But then if you're also somebody That wants to be a, a Sean Miller You know detractor You're going to say hey look at all of These things that definitely happened <laughs> Right but There's no necessarily direct tie to them with, Based on the current evidence so you see what you want to see And to me it almost <laughs> it, And like I said a, a week or two ago it's like I think I think that's what's happening, and I think both extremist sides are not correct, <laughs> <laughs> to be to be fair. I think they're all being dumb. Um, and I think there's some weird in-between spot there that I've tried to, to vocalize. But part of me wonders if it's just the dysfunction and incongruency within the athletic department, whether it's Hickey or Staffers or Robbins. Like, it seems like there are factions there. Uh, and that's that's the only thing that makes me wonder why. that Like, draw, like Arizona almost single-handedly drew this out longer than it probably needed oh, to yeah, be. Oh, yeah, and they made right? it worse,
0: right? The narrative, when, <laughs> yeah. I forget when it was that it was announced that the NOA had been delivered. I want to say it was in, like, October or something like that. And I was like, ooh, what's in it? And there was reports out there of what was in it. And to your point, like, yeah, most of what's actually in it was already reported. We we knew that, or we had a pretty good idea of what was there. And yes, if you look at this, you could see you could see that Sean Miller wasn't directly tied to anything, but not knowing what his assistants were up to, which you could argue whether he did or not. You know, I think most people said at the time, like most coaches, if this is what they do, they're smart enough not to have those direct ties. Like they're not going to have the paper trail. So I'm not saying Sean Miller didn't know what was going on, but that's all the NCAA has in it was the compliance, was the institutional cor- control, which is a big thing, of course. But absolutely, there are things that happen. So this doesn't make Arizona basketball look better, and it if, if it doesn't make Sean Miller look worse, I'm not sure if it makes him look better either. Just because of the fact that you know, just because he's not directly linked doesn't mean this all didn't happen. Right, these violations happened under his watch, so he is responsible for that. So I to that idea of like why wouldn't you, Arizona just let this be released? I I, I don't know. Like obviously it doesn't make you look good, but at the same time, do they do they think that they would never have to release it? Do they think that the NCAA or the IARP would come to a decision before this would have to get released? Now, of course, ESPN went after this the FOIA request and filed a lawsuit because they wanted to confirm their own reporters' reporting, which it did no such thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so that's kind of interesting that that's what prompted which, this coming which, out
1: and. Which somehow is not the story anywhere. No, and it's,
0: (laughs) you know, there's a reason why it's not a big story on ESPN, right? That, hey, look, we were right, because they weren't on that to that end. But stuff did happen. And that's the important thing to remember here. Even for Arizona fans, even if you're a Sean Miller fan or uh, apologist or whatever it is you want to call yourself, like stuff did happen under his watch. and. Does seeing this in writing, seeing the NOA, does it really change anything? No, but the narrative that went on for the last six months or whatever it was, was different. Because I don't know how many people you've heard from like, oh, well, Sean Miller's going to prison. Sean Miller did this. Sean Miller did that. And it's like, well, not according to the NCAA, not according to the FBI. So, but now we see that, right? So if you're Arizona, you could have got ahead of this. And clearly they haven't been out ahead of any of this stuff that's going on over the last three and a half years. You know, and it's hard. There's no real playbook for how to do this. But it seems to be that they probably did it wrong, and this was going to catch up to them eventually. And here it is.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the the my my read of the situation, and this is just pure speculation, no real information other than uh, uh, s- slightly more informed than the casual observer perspective, is that like it's probably some combination of incompetence and a faction working against Miller that. <laughs> creates it worse but um, i don't
0: even know about that because even if it's like they're trying to work against miller because they think this exonerates him which it doesn't necessarily just they still went through this whole thing and shummo's still the head coach if they wanted miller yeah, gone you'd think well, he'd be gone and the, the athletic that, department knew
1: it was in there well i say that in the sense of kind of like how the ncaa will draw stuff out to inflict maximum damage with the narrative like there's no other reason to not have released this NOA a long time ago. Other well, to be fair, I guess one reason could be I'm sure their counsel said. Oh yeah, lawyers get involved. In line, yeah. But the lawyers will always say you you shut your mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? No matter guilty, innocent, indifferent, they will there's there's no there's they they're probably advising there's no benefit, but yeah, they're
0: trying to protect the swim program. You know? <laughs> two level two violations there. it just Seeing this, like obviously this has been a huge story for Arizona, especially and other schools too. But we knew it was going to be big. Obviously, they were going to come after Arizona, and we all wanted to know with what. And seeing what they have, again, it's not good. Rather, it's not be happening. But it's not as bad in certain ways as we would have thought, or people thought, or hoped. Some people actually hoped for, <laughs> you know. So if you wanted something that would come out and say, "Look what Sean Miller did." Yeah, I mean, you got something. You got his lack of institutional control, but you got nothing that says he was paying anyone, offered to pay anyone. There's still things he has to explain. But there's no smoking gun, no direct link to Sean Miller doing anything dirty. But there is absolute links and stuff about his assistants doing things that were dirty. So whether Sean Miller knew about that or not, I'm not here to say. As far as the NCAA is concerned, if they had evidence that Sean Miller had a role in all that, I imagine that would have been in the NOA. So either Sean Miller didn't do anything like that, maybe he, he maybe he didn't know what his assistants were up to, or he's good at covering his tracks. Pick one of those two, because one of those is the right answer here when it comes to Sean Miller's direct involvement or not direct involvement with what happened.
1: You, you know what's ironic, Adam? His, uh, the quality of it, his institutional control is probably precisely what keeps there being any direct ties to him. <laughs> 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 I, but... but it's 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 all like the same recycled commentary for the last three years. And it's 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 quite something seeing Bobby Robbins's comments uh, this this week. We're recording on March 9th. You know, he made these comments that are, are in and of themselves a Rorschach test, I think, where if you want to see him saying he support Sean Miller as our coach, you can see that. But then it's also. Mm-hmm. So vague that it's like he's not coming down on anything, and maybe he's running the clock to see if there's a coach that he wants to try to test out, uh, you know, feel out after the March Madness pr- tourney. Um, and it's 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 just a silly, untenable like situation that, <laughs> ironically, I think the if if people were trying to work against Miller uh, personally. I, I got to kind of think that the IARP sets up his. It's a defense of him because that's the most serious allegation that's going to inf- inf- affect the school, right? And so, when when the strongest defense is probably going to be for him personally, it's going to end up being the strongest defense for Arizona. So if somebody was trying to, you know, work against him or target him personally, I think that's the easiest defense to like. You can't defend what Book Richardson did, Mm-mm. right? Um, you—it's a squishy defense of Mark Phelps with the Keanu Pinder five hundred dollar airplane ticket loan, right? Um, but the the biggest defense is also the biggest thing that's going to impact both Sean Miller personally and the school, and the school is going to—you would one would presume—is going to have to put up the biggest fight possible, uh, for Miller because that's the most serious, this will bring, right? Right. We it's. It's like everybody's just like the whole situation is just such a mess. And it, I kind of wonder if after watching the Dawkins documentary, if it's just that Arizona is in this place because, A, they're just big enough to be a great one for the NCAA to come down hard on. And that Book Richardson, Richardson was unfortunately and Sean Miller was the per- person that was unfortunately on the that phone call when the FBI was literally with Like, it rang when he was on the table with the FBI there, right? But, I mean, he still did it, it, you know? Oh, sure. But, like, would the narrative be different if that was Bill Self, right? No,
0: Bill Self just does it in text messages, apparently, which is likely even worse because there's definitely a trail of that. But but that goes, like, John (laughs) Wilner, who's no friend to a lot of Arizona fans from the Mercury News, he had a thing that came out uh, yesterday on the 8th. He kind of tried to break down this whole thing, and he's like, says, you know, nothing new on Miller, the school's big whiff, preparing for Thor's hammer. And essentially he's saying it's bad. There's a lot of bad stuff in here. But he also pointed out how there's some stuff in there. the NCAA. It's like they are reaching. You know, the NCAA, and this is why you go to the IARPs, because the NCAA was pissed. They're emotional. Even in this stuff, they're like, talking about things from 50 years ago. It's like, really? A (laughs) failure of compliance from... From all the way back then, you're going to hold that again. Like, come on! And they were upset <laughs> let me, about. Let
1: me tell you. Let me tell you about Pop McHale's recruiting
0: <laughs> violations. Like, and they they went in that about how Arizona had interviews with Book Richardson, did their own investigations, and then looped the. I, I don't know the behind the scenes stuff or what the NCAA was privy to or what they should have gotten, but they obviously did not think Arizona helped their investigation, which may be true. Like, it's possible. But clearly, there's a personal aspect to what the Unstable is doing, and that's why you go to the independent review board. It's like, hey, just look at the facts, come to an, like a determination, and that's that. But Wheeler also just kind of mentioned how he feels like Arizona blew it because of the fact that there was nothing really new in here regarding Miller at all, and instead of letting this come out back when it first happened when you first got it kind of ripped the band-aid off just like that they let this drag on and on and the narrative was what it was and to be fair i don't know how much the narrative could change even you tell people now well sean miller wasn't directly connected to anything They're like oh no sure he was like they think he was because they heard what they wanted to hear back in 2018 you know they all saw that espn report about deandre and that was huge news and even though espn had to basically retract it within hours what if people remember you know, there anything like a lie travels around the world, you know, twice around the world before the truth has a chance to get his shoes on. Like, that's something like that, where people remember Sean Miller, DeAndre Ayton payment. Now, granted, no one else has anything about that, but that's what they remember. No one, you don't hear about Mark Phelps and airplane tickets. You don't even hear about Book Richardson accepting money to try to steer guys to an agency. You hear when people talk about it's Sean Miller, DeAndre Ayton. Like, that's not a fact, at least not a verified fact. But there are verified facts in there. They don't make Arizona look better, but at the same time, it feels like it did not have to be it – it shouldn't have had to come to this to get this NOA out there because it's not as bad as it could have been, and it's not as bad as a lot of people thought it was. And if you're Arizona, like they just played an entire season with this hanging over them again, and it's still hanging over them. It's not over. But certainly <laughs> – like you were saying, Brett, you don't think Arizona is done being penalized for this? Like the postseason ban isn't going to be enough, and we don't know what they're going to decide – but i don't know if i'm more scared about what it could be after reading this you know i don't know if i'm even less scared. i'm going to say okay yeah that's about what i thought it was going to be you know it doesn't look great but it doesn't look as bad as it could be and what that means we'll see
1: yeah i think the one thing i in that john wilner article i i think it was mostly fair uh i think he said though that he thinks it's m- more likely that there may be a, a second season postseason ban. I actually disagree with that because I think the biggest thing is going to be Sean Miller's institutional control, and I think that's where they're going to be able to have the biggest defense. And I think there's going to be probably a scholarship reduction, you know, maybe some Sean Miller uh, suspension. Oh, penalty, he'll be suspended for, I would think so, you know, 10 games or whatever. Um, and. <laughs> And that's that's his personal institutional control penalty. and they've already served the postseason pet. like I, I just I don't think he's gonna I don't think he personally or the school is gonna get off uh, without any further penalty. But I think that it is set up for the strongest defense is for the strongest allegation that I you know, i I, I agree though that when the NOA came out when it's absolutely no in for new information, essentially, you could have put that out, played the season out, then handled the contract situation and said, "We're going to extend. We're going to stand by our guy, like you already stood by before." Build in the language that gives the easy out clause, and you know, in case further revel- revelations come to play, and it would have the story was basically over until it's just, "What is the penalty going to be?" And move on. And that's, I think, it's partially that that what I said. The lawyers trying to say, just don't ever. You don't ever put information out there, but that's where the lawyers maybe don't know how to play the narrative game. And the narrative game has killed Arizona far more than anything else in the last three years. Certainly. That is true. Well,
0: at the same time, though, Arizona's team this past season had some guys who played well. There's that. Other news around Arizona basketball and Arizona football. Let's get into it all after this break. Okay, so Brett, Arizona had a decent season. We talked about it before, how they were picked to finish fifth in the Pac-12, and they finished fifth, but it wasn't a bad fifth. You know, it didn't finish the way anyone liked with uh, getting stomped in Oregon, but at the same time, they had the nice win at USC. They had the home sweep of the Washington schools. They were decent, above average this season. And they had a few guys named to Pac-12 teams. James Akinjo was named the 10-man all-Pac-12 first team. Uh, Jordan Brown was the Pac-12 sixth man of the year. Uh, Azulis Tubellis and Ben Matherin made the All of Pac-12 Freshman Team. That's not bad, <laughs> like for a fifth place team. All those guys named and given that every one of them is projected to come back, like that's not
1: bad. I I I can't stop thinking about what you just said it's not a bad fifth. Like I think of like a what's the cheapest brand of vodka that I could make a joke of for <laughs> the worst fifth possible. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, for like we talked about there was over the course of the season, you saw what you wanted to see from this roster for the most part. Now, did they overachieve? I don't think so, but I think, you know, <laughs> Ben Matherin and Zulus to you know, make an all-packed 12 freshman team. Jordan Brown responded to, you know, getting benched and became the sixth man of the year, right? In conference play, which we talked about that almost immediately when his, the you know, the light bulb just kind of went off. Um, and James Akinjo proved the doubters wrong. Uh, and, you know, as an all Pac-12 point guard. And I believe he led the conference in assists for Arizona for the first time since TJ McConnell. Yeah, like in the Pac-12 um, play, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, take that, Jim Boeheim. <laughs> Um But, you know, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you see, you, you saw the things you, knowing that there's no postseason, and you don't have to worry about that, knowing that you're building for the future, assuming... Assuming that the roster holds together and you know disaster doesn't strike, you see that you know there's recognition amongst the conference that it, there is some serious talent on this Arizona team. That if it keeps to develop on the trajectory it is, that they're going to be a tough team to play in the next year and beyond.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And to that point too, like Akinjo, especially. I wonder if being the first point guard to do all that since TJ McConnell, I wonder how much of that is. Sean Miller changing his offense, or just having a point guard he could trust to do those things, because even last year he had Nico Mannion, who was a true freshman. You know, like before that, you had Justin Coleman, who was there for a season. Before that, Parker Jackson Carwright, who was not exactly—I mean, he was—he played hard, but he wasn't a a star point guard. And you know? oh, but to have a veteran point guard, a Kinjo, who like McConnell sat for basically a season, learned under whoever was there before, and took over as. I guess, an upperclassman-ish. I wonder how much that played a role because everybody talks about Sean Miller not not giving his guards freedom, and I thought Nico Manning had quite a bit of freedom as a freshman, but I imagine Sean Miller has a lot more faith in a guy who's a redshirt sophomore, for instance, or a redshirt junior, as it was with McConnell, than he does with a true freshman or with a guy who doesn't have a professional future, at least in the
1: NBA, those chances, and he turned Akinjo loose, and Akinjo validated that. I think that's a really interesting and good point, Adam. Because um, I, I I think that <laughs> the diff- like you, you made the comparison to Nico Mannion, uh, you know, versus Akinjo. I think Nico Mannion maybe needed to be reined in more because he was settling for jumpers uh, more than his shooting percentage would dictate, um, and he he wasn't necessarily as good at probing the defense like the, the the one way in which akinjo and mcconnell are similar and that they would probe the defense mm-hmm. and like you know it's it's a it's a delicate art i think as a point guard to be somebody that's going to dribble that much and be effective because usually it's about ball movement but both mcconnell and certainly akinjo especially down the stretch was really good with the ball in his hands of you know probing and seeing what kind of you know reaction he can get not just from uh you know his man but also the guys that are help defenders and using that to set something up whether it's his own shot or to you know initiate the offense or find somebody that that is open right mm-hmm. um and to you know to your point i think it's probably a little bit of both because i think we talked about i think Sean Miller loosened up their their base offense a little bit called a few more set plays and maybe calling a few more set plays allows for a guy like Akinjo to like you know form meets function in that offense a little bit right um but that doesn't work without trust and i think sean miller's relatively glowing praise for him all season shows how much he they're you know on the same wavelength in terms of what's expected and the reality is with the new the the you know if if the whole roster other than who we know is leaving comes back in the or uh, of of significance not you know no offense to anybody that may transfer that wasn't playing much this year, um, plus the new recruiting class, it's it's going to be James Akinjo's team again. Mm-hmm. Even if Ben Matherin comes back and he's the star, Akinjo's the guy that's going to be the fuel that makes it go, right? Well,
0: similar to how McConnell was, and he's the first point guard since T.J. Exactly. McConnell is going to be... I mean, he's not the first upperclassman point guard because, again, yeah, Justin Coleman was a grad transfer and Parker Jackson Carr was a senior. But it, Akinjo's a different level, and he's not T.J. McConnell. He's definitely more of a scorer, although McConnell could score. <laughs> he was a scorer at Duquesne. He comes to Arizona. He's just the assist guy. But to be able to 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 be able to lead the offense the way they did and have that responsibility that Miller's willing to give them. And not just that he's willing to, because he gave a lot to Nico Mannion, but to have that experience, to have that strength, to take advantage of that and be effective in that role. And people always talk about Miller and the offense and the way he runs. And their offense was really good this season overall and in part because they had a point guard who could run an offense the way Akinjo did. And the, to, to his credit, because he did not come to Arizona with a reputation for being a point guard in the truest sense of the, for, the truest sense of the term. And he, I mean, he was a scorer, too. Like he, he was not a point guard. Point guard was just pass first. But he was a point guard who could get your offense going, who did share the ball, who did score, did take over at times when he needed to, and who I think you could trust to lead your offense. And as they had more guys like Ben Matherin, and to Bellis, and just these scores around him, he seems like the type who's willing to, well, get them the ball and keep people happy. But you didn't also need that guy who, when you need to make a shot, lay in a game, who's ready and willing to take it, and to get that shot off, and he's that guy. And they've needed that. They've needed that for a couple of years now. And he is that type of player, so assuming he comes back next season and assuming all these guys come back, like, yes, this roster will be pretty good. Now, we learned today that... Ira Lee has entered the transfer portal. He said for the Oregon game, that was his last game with Arizona and makes total sense. He played his four seasons in Arizona, played hard, you know, wasn't a key guy and probably sees the writing on the wall or if he comes back, just, there's not a lot of playing time for him. And so good luck to him. Hopefully he finds another spot. You know, he's an athletic player and he plays hard. I imagine he'll have no trouble finding a new home, but that's not exactly a loss that Arizona is going to be missing in terms of like, Oh, he's not coming back. Well, there goes all of the next season's optimism. But still, wish him good luck.
1: Absolutely. Um, real quick, can I go back to the James Akinjo uh, not wanting to yeah. pass Like, have you ever seen an a, a non players like an opposing team's coach comment get ascribed to a player more thoroughly than Jim Beheim's comment? Um, t- to wit. Uh, his per forty minute assist rate as freshman year at Georgetown was actually higher than this past year at Arizona when he led the conference in assists.
0: <laughs> now, what we could say is assists don't necessarily tell you how much a guy shares the ball, right? When they have the ball as much as like he has the ball as much as he does, he's going to just get assists because he has the ball so much and he's usually making the last pass before a shot. But at the same week, like, we watched the games and did he have moments where he was kind of playing hero ball? Yes. But they weren't often, and they were all, generally at a time we're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know? I mean, even against I mean, uh, Washington, he kicked the ball out to Tubelis. He drove the lane, kicked it out to Tubelis yeah. to make the shot. I still think that it was actually passing it to Tubelis on the play where they beat ASU because I don't think he sh- shot a three-pointer that bad-looking at all. I think it was actually a pass that he realized he was going to do midway through his release. At any rate, like in part he gets <laughs> the assist because he has the ball a lot, but we watched him play. He was not a bad point guard. Like, he shared
1: yeah, I, I guess even not adjusting for per forty minutes, five point two assists per game is really high for a freshman point guard in a major college basketball conference. Yeah, and it, he increased it just per game to five point four, but he had thirty two more assists his freshman year, granted in six more games than he did than he did to Arizona this last year. So it's just it's kind of nonsense, and I, I just. I, I don't understand how that narrative stays alive, but you know how much I love to kill a narrative, Adam. Oh, yeah.
0: Well, and his assist-to-turnover ratio was good. So, like, Sean Miller could trust yeah. him with the ball, which I think just only bodes well for the future with his team and him leading the way. Um, but, yeah, I really decided to transfer. Arizona's looking at a couple other transfers basketball-wise, I guess, they're reaching out. And we'll see what the roster looks like because, obviously, when we don't know scholarship situation, how that's going to go. Two, we don't know who all is going to come back still. Granted, normally when an Arizona player is for sure leaving, we know it by now, I feel like. Within a week or so after the season ends, usually it happens sometime after a tournament loss. But regardless, <laughs> like I really made that known today. Terrell Brown is an interesting one because you know, this was supposed to be his last season and then everything that happened happened. And then, of course, we'll see if there's anybody who we're not expecting to transfer or go pro does. But either way, the roster... There is that, especially, I think, after these awards. Like, yeah, those are the guys who deserved awards, and those are all guys who could come back and get even better. So you feel good about what this team could look like. Let's uh switch to football a little bit here. It's more fun news, really. Than I guess, well, Jarius Wallace decided to transfer. He entered the portal. That's not fun. He was fine. But Rob Gronkowski, Teddy Bruschi, coaching in the spring game, Jed Fish, that's what he wanted. Publicity,
1: fun. We'll take it. You know, you know, it's also going to be really exciting with Rob Gronkowski uh, coaching. I put air quotes for our listeners. Uh, if he is, in fact, coaching, we're finally going to see what we've been promised for years, Adam. They're going to throw to the tight end on his team.
0: <laughs> it's finally happening. I, don't you, I mean, you see someone like this? This is obviously just for fun. I mean, Richard, I think you still have like a fan call some plays. During the spring game, which they only had, like, four places to choose from, I think, offensively. So, yeah, that's where it was going to be one that Richard would have called anyway. But what you have here, Rob Gronkowski obviously just won a Super Bowl. He's a known quantity, just nationally and around football. Teddy Bruschi, ESPN guy, he's also part of the coaching staff now uh, in a in a loose way. Like, this is what you need when you're trying to build buzz. And Arizona obviously does not have much, but this is another instance of Jed Fish getting it done in every way he can up until actually winning football games. Yeah, this is another just feather in his cap of a, hey, this is a good thing. There's going to be excitement over this. I don't know if there will be fans in the stands for the spring game this year. We'll see with how everything's going, but there's going to be, you don't think there's going to be video of Rob Gronkowski coaching against Teddy Bruschi in the spring game on ESPN. Like that's going to make the rounds. Rob Gronkowski being on the sideline coaching. It's going to.
1: Well, you don't think Teddy Bruschi is going to be on the air on ESPN talking about it? Yeah. (laughs) Like Uh, it's, It's a light lift, big payoff thing in terms of just getting that, like you said, I think buzz is the right word. Um, As much as I hate a narrative game, you know, Jed Fish is winning the narrative game uh, so far. Now, whether that shows up at all on the field, you know, that can that can wipe that out real bad if if Mm -hmm. Arizona goes and, you know, loses 70 to 7 against BYU in week one. Right. Yeah. you know, it's a, a a simple but tactically brilliant thing to get two of your most famous alums to come back and increase some positive visibility for the program.
0: Yeah, and I wonder if Kevin, someone ever thought to do something like this if he could have if he could have pulled off something like this. Like, what is it about fish that has allowed this to happen? I don't know, but it's not a bad thing. And we talk about even when he got hired, it's like, well, the alumni had to get on board. Well, they seem to be on board. <laughs> you know, and he's been all over the place with different media outlets, so. There is as much buzz as there can be for a team that's lost 12 games in a row and hired a coach who, at the time, there's not many Arizona fans who were excited or on board with that. Um, Other news is kind of clean up here with just been not a huge week for Arizona Athletics, but there are some news there. Uh, They're going to start welcoming fans back at baseball and softball games. Um, They're looking at about, what, 16% capacity there, so slowly trying to get to that. Of course... Uh, women's basketball—they fell in the Pac-12 tournament a little bit earlier than they probably should have, but they're still going to the NCAA tournament as a very, very dangerous team. Softball's off to a great start. They did lose their first game of the season the other day, and baseball is just rolling too. Just an offense that they mash. So, (laughs) the (laughs) numbers—I don't know if you saw that tournament they were in—the numbers they put up—it was impressive.
1: Well, and it's it's really interesting to see them mashing on the offensive side of the ball. When I think Michael Lev, who's covering them them for the for the Daily Wild, or the Arizona Daily Star, was saying that it's probably their best pitching staff. Which, if they're going to keep hitting like that, and if they have the pitching come through like they think, it's going to be a good year for Arizona baseball.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess the Frisco class college baseball classic that was in Texas, they won. Well, their last four victories were by a combined fifty-five to twenty-six. That's a lot of runs that they scored. I mean, I guess four games, 26 runs in four games isn't great giving up. But still, if you score
1: 55 runs in four games, you're fine. You'll win a lot of games that way. I mean, that's better uh, points per game than Arizona's football team put up last year. (laughs) (sighs) You're not
0: wrong. You're not wrong. (laughs) But anyway, that's just some pretty good news coming out of Arizona Athletics. This past week, that's always a nice thing. I guess technically the NOA came last week. So we could we can make a case that this week has been pretty good so far. Um, Brett, We sent out a question through our Wildcat Radio AZ Twitter handle. We're looking for a little bit of mailbag. So we asked you guys to ask us questions. And let's get to those after this break. Welcome back. And as we mentioned before the break, we want to know what you want to know. Brett, you fired off. All this stuff from the at Wildcat Radio A Z Twitter account that you are often in charge of. What do we have this week?
1: Well, I think uh, one of our our avid followers and listeners, Mr. Gary Elfried, at GL Freed, won the uh the QA this or the mailbag this week, and he, he has several questions for us, so I'll give them to you one by one, Adam. Well it's given to uh, us. It's not just me. This isn't Well, but my I'm gonna mailbag. I'm gonna read them. I'm going to read them off so you can have first response because I have them in front of me and that's how, you know, this works because you can't read them. Fair enough. (laughs) So first one, why does Dick Vitale hate us so much? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if he hates Arizona so much as he hates Sean Miller.
0: Now that's a separate question and I don't know. I can certainly, so you can see Vitale on Twitter every time something happens about Arizona he's always railing against Arizona and it's kind of the whataboutism response from Arizona. It's like, well, why don't you what do you now, now do Kansas? You know, do Tennessee. Do, it's like it doesn't change what Arizona may or may not have done, but certainly Dick Vitale seems to have a lot more animosity towards Sean Miller in Arizona than any other program that has either been named in this whole thing to have done worse or the same thing. Like, it is interesting and upsetting, I guess, as an Arizona fan.
1: Uh, did, did you see uh, there was a Barstool Sports blog that literally was went in on Dick Vitale and his weird hatred of Arizona. No, and I didn't catch that. God save me when Barstool Sports is the voice of a well-reasoned argument right. <laughs> because it was basically like, how do, how do you get off when you are the biggest Rick Patino defender who was literally the sleaziest basketball coach maybe <laughs> of all time? And we'll never say a bad word about him. But we never know is
0: I was in his personal relationships that are part of this. Like I'm sure oh, Dick sure. Vitale has a friendship with someone like Rick Pitino and does not with Sean Miller. And Dick Vitale has all those ESPN people, and he's probably friends with guys like – I mean, Jay Billis went off on Miller 2 when all that happened, and it's like ESPN has been proven wrong every step of the way. But these are his friends. These are his people. And he's probably like, how dare you? You know. And it's not to say Arizona's innocent because, as we talked about in the first segment, Arizona's not innocent
1: in any of this.
0: But the amount of animosity and vitriol that Dick Vitale has for the Wildcats and Sean Miller, it's over the top. It is.
1: Yeah, well, especially, like, for ESPN and Dick Vitale, also sometimes not so affectionately dubbed Duke Vitale. Um, like, there is a court affidavit swearing that Zion Williamson cut, <laughs> like, payments, and they just don't cover that. And, and we, that's not we to know say why. That, like, we do. Well, but I mean, like, that's not to say that all allegations should be taken at face value and believed to be true. The DeAndre Ayton story being a prime example of that, but it just shows maybe the 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 less than pure, uh, you know, pure of heart intentions of certain media people. Yes, which is an unfortunate reality in which we live. Exactly that. No
0: media biases do play a role in every walk of media life, and this is quite apparently one of those situations.
1: Yeah. So second uh, question from our friend, Mr. Gary Elfried, is there any circumstance you see Miller not getting a, an extension and yet all of, his, of this team stays intact next year?
0: Yeah. I would think the team that's signed up to play this next season would stick around for him. But the, the concern is obviously any players who you're trying to recruit for the next season after that. Now, if it comes out in the next few months that, Arizona's banned from the postseason again. That might change things because I imagine they want to have a chance at the tournament one of these seasons. But I would think, as long as Sean Miller is back, even if he doesn't get an extension, that these players will be like, Yeah, well, that's one more. Let's run it back for our coach. And then they're not worried about the year after that.
1: Yeah, I think that's, I think you're generally right. I think the players in general have bought in with Sean Miller. The only, slight thing I could see is if if in a hypothetical world where Ben Matherin was a pure 50-50, do I go for the draft or not? It might be the tiebreaker that it's like, you're not extending my coach. This is going to be a thing that hangs over the whole season. Maybe that, but also Ben Matherin came to play for Sean Miller mm-hmm. and seemed to even react well to Sean Miller's, shall we say, hard coaching of him uh, related to body language and you know, Ben Matherin was not a preseason NBA draft pick talk, and now he is. And at least some of that probably has to be ascribed to Sean Miller's coaching and development of him. And he seems to have taken to that. So that'd be the only thing I could maybe see. Um, but everyone else on the roster, you know, seems more bought into Sean Miller, you know, than than almost anything else, right?
0: Yeah. No, like I said I think the concern with the lack, the reason you want to extend Sean Miller, if you plan on keeping Sean Miller, of course. Is so he can recruit for the future. But if the plan was to let him go within this last year of the contract, it crushes recruiting, but I don't imagine it would have too much of an impact on the players who are currently on the roster and currently committed to play for Shumler in what would be the final year of his contract. I can't see no. too many of them saying he's only on a one year deal. Well, I'm gonna bolt before that year's even up. Like that that I don't see. But at the same time And
1: and then red shirt. <laughs> yeah if they're not going to the NBA. Most of these guys aren't going straight to the NBA.
0: And it it just but at the same time, like there's still very little reason to go into the season with him on a one-year deal as opposed to, unless he's like, I'm not going to sign an extension that has any of these out clauses that Arizona would have to put into an extension. Like, if that if yep. that's the case, if they say, hey, we'll extend you for another three years, and we're going to want to make sure, though, that if this is what happens, you know, if X, Y, or Z comes out, then this is the result. If he's like, no dice, I don't want any part of that, then I could see them... Go on this right that's the only time where I'd say well maybe the school's right to do what they're doing but at the same time if that's the case then maybe just say well screw you you did do something we'll start over and in which case then they probably lose a lot of players
1: yeah all right I'm gonna move to the last question here Adam uh could the ASU men's team beat the U of A women's team in basketball <laughs> and be- be- before you answer I'm gonna rephrase this because I think Gary could have asked this even better or just reframe it. Can the best, most talented ASU men's basketball team ever beat the best, most talented U of A women's team ever? <laughs> because really, that's the at the core of this question.
0: I, I mean, sure. Like, granted, the way that women have been playing the last few weeks, they haven't been as impressive. Like, they need to figure something out here. But <laughs> I. Let's look at it this way. Arizona women's basketball has, for the most part, met their expectations. They went into the season with incredibly high expectations, and they've been, say, for the last couple of weeks, every bit as good as people hoped they would be and thought they would be. Conversely, inversely, ASU men's basketball came in with incredibly high expectations and has not only just fallen short of those, but they've been pretty bad. You know, especially at times. You know, Remy Martin was named to the first team all pac 12 and everything like that. He had a pretty good season, but he's had games where he's just been a ghost. You know, not exactly a point guard. I think he had one where he had more turnovers than assists and he only had two turnovers. Like, I'm like, you're a point guard, man. Like, a guy who has the ball a lot. Like I was saying, Akinjo gets assists almost by default because he's holding the ball. Remy Martin's the same way. And so it doesn't, doesn't make me feel bad to know that ASU men's basketball had these high expectations and has been just just not good. Like, that doesn't bother me at all. Does it give me warm and fuzzies? Eh, don't really care too much. But in terms of their respective sports and the expectations each of them went in with, like, far and away, the Arizona women's team has been very, like, they've been superior.
1: Yeah, I think uh, both teams suffer from the same lack of talent in players above the height of 6'5". You know, uh, ASU with Josh Christopher, and I think U of A with the uh, Lauren Ware is a six five freshman. Um, I'm pretty sure
0: Josh Christopher, on a, like low key, opted out of the season anyway, but
1: that's my own conjecture. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, also the, I I think even even without the talent at the big men's position, I think ASU's men's team would give them a run for their money just with size and rebounding. But I would also love to watch that game because I t- think it'd be more competitive than anyone uh, at ASU would care to admit. And I really want to just watch Harry McDonald trash talk and <laughs> ask why, uh, why, um, <laughs> why Remy Martin is asking for so many foul calls all the time and whining <laughs> because I'm sure she would. To be fair, like Arizona did lose to
0: ASU. Couple weeks back at women's basketball, and that was disappointing. That was a game that they should have won. That's what sort of comes back to like they were so good for so much of the season, but lately the women's team has not been as good. Doesn't mean they can't turn on for the tournament, and they're going to team that, of course, no one's going to want to play in the way tournament. They're going to be a high yep. seed still. The talent is there. They just kind of got to get back on track. And we've seen that with Arizona men's team too before, some of their best teams. They kind of struggled down the stretch, then got things going late, and made a nice little run in the tournament. So like, the opportunity is there for Adia Barnes and that team to do something special in this NCAA tournament they're about to play in. Whereas for ASU men's, well, they got to win the Pac 12 tournament to get a chance at the dance because they have not been good. And, like, you're right. It's fun to make fun of the fact that they don't have a lot of tall players. Like, Jalen Graham's been decent lately, but they do not have much size. And just it's a really, it's not a team that fits well together. And Arizona men's basketball fans know all too well how that can go. You can have all the talent in the world, but if it just doesn't fit, it doesn't fit, and you get those kind of results. But even then, Arizona's the most disappointing teams of late
1: are still better than what ASU's put together this season. So, yeah, I, ASU's roster is somehow the rare worse than the sum of their parts team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> rather than the you know the special things happen when you're better than the sum of your parts, and. <laughs> You know, somewhere in between happens. I think some of those Arizona rosters the last four or five years were literally the sum of their parts, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is they were decent but not. Uh, you know, that's how you end up figure finding ways to lose when it comes to crunch time more than finding ways to win. Yeah, but I think you're right. They need the tournament to the Pac-12 tournament to to make the the big dance as opposed to Arizona's women. You know, hopefully they had a couple wake up calls and they're they're ready for. For their March Madness bracket, and I certainly will be doing my best to watch every game they play. Yeah, so that would,
0: that's the extent of our mailbag, right? Gary Elfried with the questions.
1: Well, Gary Elfried came with all of the questions, and he gets they're all good ones, too. Yeah. So he, had he good gets all of so. our time. So
0: thanks, Gary, for those questions. <laughs> Hopefully, we answered them sufficiently for you. But Brad, I think that's about that'll do it for our show this week. I know people. Thank you for listening. Make sure you are rating us, subscribing us, iTunes, Spotify, your podcast. Make sure you can always follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. Even if we don't ask for a mailbag, feel free to submit questions to us throughout the week. We'd still love to get to them. Um, it's it could be a very quiet couple of weeks for Arizona athletics other than the tournaments of course are we're talking about but obviously the big news that people are gonna be waiting on is what's happening with Sean Miller will there be an extension is he gonna be fired we don't know at the time of this recording things could change and hopefully they do for everyone's sake I know this will be
1: my last show for a couple
0: of weeks um yeah.
1: I was gonna say big news may happen and you may not know about it or care to talk about it
0: no definitely not um I'm getting married this weekend actually and we will be going out of town for my honeymoon it'll be great to step away from the once-a-week duties of the podcast, I guess. I don't know. It's not like this is that exhausting for me. can't speak for you, Brad. (laughs) But that doesn't mean the show won't happen. Wildcat Radio will be silent. I know you're going to try to work on some shows with an all-star lineup of uh, substitution hosts, and I'm cool with it. I don't expect to be pipped or anything.
1: We'll we'll see if, uh, you know, if I... If I Wally pipped Ronnie Stoffel, maybe we can have Ronnie come back and beat the guest host to Wally pip his spot back or your spot back. Is it is that <laughs> the circle of life? or What we call that? I I, yeah, I I'm trying to think of the appropriate uh, <laughs> platitude or whatever. What's the, what's the term for a like a, a saying like that? Like that means you know, like a saying that kind of is just nothing. Like what goes around comes around.
0: Yeah, but I, I didn't even like. It shouldn't come around to me, What you did to Ronnie. Shouldn't come back from Ronnie doing it to me. That doesn't make any sense. They're not my muffins. They're yours.
1: <laughs> well, you it, know, it's just it's just another example of uh, you making ha- having me become friends with one of your friends. Then I I replace you <laughs> and uh, as their friend. <laughs> okay. That's that's how it would work. Well, we'll see if it happens. You got two
0: weeks to make it happen because again, I'll be gone again. Wildcat Radio uh, 2.0 will be recording and given whatever happens, in you know, Wildcat Sports, you know, they'll be talking about it. And who knows? Maybe I'll. Uh, no, I won't call in. No, I will not do that. on Honey, no, no, you no, won't. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thanks again for listening, everyone, and we'll catch up with you next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear
1: down.